Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com. Join us at Sonic Cinema Patreon for exclusive content, including audio descriptions of the processes through some of my music, exclusive uh, reviews before they are posted on Sonic Cinema, as well as commentaries and more. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com backslash sonicsema. Thank you for everybody who's joined that so far. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by a filmmaker who actually sent me one of the first screeners that I had ever uh, gotten. It's a film called Imagination. It's a combination of live action and animation effects. He uh, continued the process in his 2011 film Glitch in the Grid, as well as a film he released this year called Apocalypsis. I'm pleased to be joined by him. It's a really great conversation to uh, be discussing those three films with writer-director Eric Leiser. I'm pleased to be joined today by a uh, writer-producer and uh, director who um, has actually, who, who's actually um, been sending me his work for the uh, duration that I've basically been receiving work from filmmakers such as him. Uh, his 2007 film, Imagination, was one of the first screeners that I was ever asked to uh, review. And in 2011, he followed that up with The Glitch in the Grid. And then this year, he uh, concluded this... Uh, really interesting trilogy um, with a film called Apocalypsis, which is uh, being which is uh, being released on, I believe, video on demand and uh, other platforms uh, right now. So I'm pleased to be speaking today with uh, Eric Leiser. Thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, thanks, Brian. So um, the first the first thing that I tend to uh, ask filmmakers in general is uh what what inspired you to uh get into filmmaking to say just out of childhood uh i made a lot of dioramas uh sets wherein a story or some type of action took place mm -hmm. and i've also been drawing uh, ever since i was two and uh that is like a proto cinema in itself so it was pretty natural once I really made the decision to pursue it, um, it, it was very natural, um, fluid transition. Uh, some of the technicalities, of course, were new to me, and uh, that was something that I really had to put my mind to, and I'm still working on all the time, trying to master uh, technical aspects, constantly learning new things. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. Are there any particular, it, and it is, uh, is important to me uh, mention, one of the things that's so unique about Eric's work uh, compared to other, other filmmakers that I've gotten is that he, he does a lot of uh, animation techniques and photographic effects uh, as a part of his storytelling. And that was one of the things that was so unique about his first film, Imagination, and it's continued to this day with the glitch and the grin apocalypsis, uh, and it's it's really a uh, fascinating addition to his work. And that's one of the things that always 
even even if uh, imagination was kind of a tough thing for me to wrap my head around about 10 years ago, it still kind of is to a certain extent, but that's one of the things that's always stuck out about me is about the film for me is the uh, way you use animation and photographic effects to uh, tell the story that you're telling. Oh, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> I think the best insight I can provide on that is that actually techniques um, or something I'm always working on in my head, I leave long, long lists. Something very exciting to me uh, because there's this whole, you know, uh, cycle of a film and uh, you can get caught up on it. But as long as uh, I have the ability to think about techniques and manage to somehow write them down, which is always a key thing before I forget them, um, then I kind of have this library. Mm -hmm. And when I'm then when I'm going through the pre-production process, and I'm writing the script or writing with my brother, um, then I like to make notations like this This technique might work here. But aside from that, a lot of it, uh, just because it's been building in my mind and I'm aware of the list, it'll come to me sometimes uh, in the editing process. And uh, I'll be like, okay, I've already done this uh according to the storyboard, but this thing that I thought was going to be for the storyboard and like the first uh, reel of the film actually would be very powerful here. So it's just another language that I, I work with. Mm -hmm. Are there any particular filmmakers that have inspired you? My go-to commonly would be uh, Tarkovsky, spiritually. Andre okay. Tarkovsky. Yeah. And then um, the more creative, imaginative uh, kind of black humor aspect, uh, Jan Schwankmeier, because I went to Prague and I met him very early on before, uh, well, before I got to know him better when I actually moved to Prague in 2005. So, but hmm. Jan Schwankmeier uses a lot of very creative techniques, um, but they again correspond to the feeling or the um, flow of. His films. I'm not sure how much actually on storyboards uh, today. I think he does probably a little more. I can't really speak for him, but um, a lot of it is just improvisational, but also working into the very rigid uh, and systematic form of cinema when it comes to the production aspect. Mm -hmm. and, and uh, after that, I would say like CalArts exposed me uh, after going as far as I could at a very uh, kind of magical video store. They're, they're all over in every city. They're still around, but I had one in San Diego called Kensington Video that introduced me to a whole variety of filmmakers, but then actually when I went to CalArts, I got to see experimental films, like 500 hours, and or maybe it was 100, but by now I'd say it was like over 500 hours where I was like, this is not available. I'm seeing this to, you know, at CalArts, and mm -hmm. this guy, this professor is actually, like, the guru of this particular thing, like, experimental film. So that was incredibly eye-opening, and experimental film is very much about techniques in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's symbols, ends up symbols, and beats all types of different poetic meanings. So I have that. I have... Uh, very early on, uh, Night for Christmas, Henry Selleck, mm -hmm. and then I like, saw all of Selleck's work after that, Slow Bob and the Lower Dimensions, which was done before Nightmare and 
do the work. I just knew that Henry is like uh, kind of this master craftsman technically. Yeah. He has his own vision, but he was able to work with Burton at a time where I felt like Burton was still very strong mm -hmm. and um, just make this incredible work. Uh, so the Night for Christmas really was, is major towards uh, getting me to consider stop motion as something that I wanted to, stop motion films that I wanted to make. Uh, I'm not forgetting how old I was at the time, but I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, uh, Eastern European, um, a little American, uh, and then just avant-garde films from all around the world were very influential towards this tech using techniques. I'm sure mm -hmm. we can edit that one down. <laughs> <laughs> I can edit that one down. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and Henry Selig actually makes a lot of sense as far as stop motion yeah. animation. I mean, he is he is he is a master of it. I mean, and you know, not just not just uh, Absolutely. Nightmare Before Christmas, but Coraline as well. Uh, yeah, and he and, he's like a challenging career because he's like, an ex I feel like uh, an experimental maverick, mm -hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it, visionary who's managed to work, you know, from Calvary to Disney, but he struggled as well as Burton. Like they weren't, they weren't coming to us. And even more so, Henry Self was in my department uh, while I was in his department. It was really Jules Engel's department who founded it, who uh, worked on Fantasia, like the Mushroom Sequence, did UPA, Mr. Magoo, and like his own experimental films. Oh, wow. Anyways, okay. he, he created the experimental animation department, which is completely different from character animation. Mm -hmm. The whole John Lasseter, even Burton yeah. were in between character, but I was an experimental. So was Henry. Henry was an experimental. I watched his experimental student films, and they're completely brilliant. Mm -hmm. you, see, you knew this guy was going on, to, he was already at this very high level early on, so... But he comes from the experimental, uh, has, outside of story, has to do with everything else that's mm -hmm. important about the visual movement. So, and a lot of work uh, ends up being non-commercial and shows in museums and whatnot. Yeah. Or, as an example of Henry, he brings that kind of experimental technique to, uh, to his films in like the mainstream. So. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when you mentioned uh, when when you mentioned uh, Tarkovsky, I mean that did not take me by surprise at all and I, it was funny yeah. watching a glitch in the grid i completely forgotten and i don't even know how i forgot to mention this in my review of it back in 2011 that you had the uh characters reading sculpting in time the book that he wrote and uh right. which i've read and i i adore tarkovsky he's one of my favorite filmmakers of all yeah. time Andre and, Rublev, yeah yeah just came out on 4k and criterion oh yeah, and it. I'm so excited for that release. Uh, I I've been yeah. I've been I I've hated the fact that Rublev's been non-amorphic forever, and I'm I'm really looking right. forward to finally being a, being able to see that uh, film in in a way that was intended to, as opposed to just basically this small rectangle in the middle of my screen. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean Tar Tarkovsky is very much it it doesn't surprise me that those are uh, the primary influences behind your work. Uh speaking of your work, we'll go ahead and uh, jump into it because of the fact that and it it was funny because of the fact that y when you had mentioned to me that Apocalypse was kind of like the end of this trilogy with imagination and right. glitch in the grid, I was all of a sudden very curious to rewatch these movies because I hadn't seen them since yeah, I thank reviewed you them. Doing that. And uh, it was it was fascinating to rewatch them, uh, 
First of all, before mm-hmm. we before we get into the older films, before we start to dig into this uh, trilogy, um, the most recent one is Apocalypsis. Where can people find uh, that film, and where can people find your work in general? Apocalypsis uh, is distributed by Indican Features, but then it was bought, um, and they work with them as a licensor, and uh, also... Basically, Lionsgate allowed it to have a larger distribution, and therefore you can get it on the Lionsgate shop on YouTube, or you can watch it on iTunes, or you can watch it on um, Google Play, or uh, Amazon, uh, and just numerous. It, it's it's done well as far as distribution, and um, so you just type it in Apocalypse is so much Apocalypse is 2018. Or just Apocalypsis now. Um, it just pops up so people can watch it online. But it's also available for DVD. On uh, DVD, it'll, it'll be in shops like, uh, you know, you might be able to find it at Walmart or something, Best Buy. Uh, you can find it Best Buy. And so, yeah, it's great uh, for how it was made that, and all of its struggles, but it's now so widely available. So I hope people will watch it, go it on IMDb. And, um, you know, share what they what they think because um, I'm very happy with it. Yeah, and one of the and and rewatching, I I rewatched that one after I rewatched Imagination and Glitch in the Grid. And one thing that did strike me is that you're it's it's very obvious that in between each film, you're even even though the the basic techniques as far as stop motion, as far as the different photographic effects and stuff like that that you use. Are are fundamentally the same from film to film. The confidence and the uh, and and the way you use them, the way you tell the story, is very different from one to another to another. Imagination is still a fascinating mm-hmm. film. It's still a compelling film, and I I found myself getting uh, immersed in it once again watching it. Um, right. Where where did first. I, I guess I guess uh, I'm I'm kind of curious. Did you conceive? Uh, was this a trilogy from the beginning, or is it just a matter of as you were making each film, it basically became a natural progression into a trilogy? Absolutely. Um, when I knew an imagination that Christ would be represented through um, the, the white fawn and also by St. Eustace imagery that if it was about Christ, then I should do a trilogy. So, yeah, it was pretty early on. Um, but it took... Uh, began Imagination filming in 2003, mm-hmm. and then Apocalypse came out in 2018. So that's a, that's a decent period of time. Yeah. Um, a lot of time to breathe and to, to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where did where did the initial idea for imagination come from? Um, I've mentioned this before um, in interviews and whatnot, but it it came to me in a vision for like the first fifteen minutes uh, before I was I fell asleep one night and um, and I tried to storyboard it <laughs> as hmm. best I could as fast as I could, and uh, from there the film grew. Um, started writing the script with my brother and just kind of merging some of his poetry they'd already written mm-hmm. similar concepts but uh, I felt like 
everything at that point was leading up to making this first, well, actually my second, but really I felt like my first personal feature film because I did one called South Book that was uh, more like a co-directed as the mm-hmm. dual vision. But um, I felt like Imagination with Jeffrey and I was our, our Univision between uh, the visual and sound and like mm-hmm. the interconnection between them. So uh, I'd have to say as I was writing, as I was really drawing, the film started making uh, create making a shape that I was able to start uh, some type of a platform to re- build a structure of writing on. Mm-hmm. And um, but I also didn't. Wa- I also because of the the visuals were so potent and um, directival that I wanted to keep the visual as a storyteller and minimize uh, a lot of the the actual writing that the actors perform because the whole perspective of the film is from these unborn fetuses. And so it's kind of like they're getting a message of their life from the future and it comes and it's kind of even perceived. That's when people complain about the bad acting. I was like, I really was seeing that, but I wanted that. I wanted everything to seem kind of like not quite right or, Mm-hmm. coming from a different world. Um, it also worked with my budget at the time and who I could work with. So yeah. <laughs> um, that it worked at that time. And then I felt with Apocalypse and even I'm still trying to work with um, very passionate, talented uh, actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm focusing on now. But uh, I did start out with non-actors. Mm-hmm. And for imagination, especially with the twins, it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> this no, is pretty much their first project. And um, when I saw them walk in and during the audition at CalArts, I, uh, mm-hmm. I just knew the whole film was going to change at that point. Because uh, yeah. originally, in my, in my vision, it was a boy and a girl. It's fraternal mm-hmm. twins in the womb. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and you, you brought up the, uh, first of all, before I bring this point up, it, I, I do want to uh, bring mention to your uh, brother, Jeffrey, who has also yeah. been the uh, composer on all three films, and I, right. I really do love the music that he's done for all your films. It really does add yeah. a particular texture to the world that you guys are creating. Absolutely. And that you're creating it's, it's integral. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very... It's a, and as somebody who's a composer and a musician himself, it's it's great right. to see music treated as a force in the storytelling in addition to the images, in addition to the story being told. Um, and, and especially with the, uh, the, the way that the film is being told with the animation, with the different photographic effects, it's it's just a very haunting uh it it's it's just a very haunting effect one of the things that i did want to bring up and the thing that I was going to bring up is that in you brought up the uh your your not really having much of a budget on imagination but one of the things mm-hmm. that one of the things that i notice is that if if there's an overall overarching uh sense of purpose and a sense of uh, sure-footedness in terms of the story being told, in terms of the way the story is being told, 
it ultimately doesn't matter whether you have actors versus non-actors, whether you have a right. huge budget or no budget. Um, right. It that the story ultimately comes through, and that's one of the things that I I really love about. It's one of the things I really do love about imagination is the fact that you don't use the fact that you don't have a huge budget to impact the scale of the story you're telling. It's a still, it feels like a very big story you're telling. Yeah. And, uh, also I was able to, thankfully, despite the low budget shoot on 16 millimeter, Mm -hmm. super 16. So for the few, you know, for the select screenings, and I'm still sometimes wondering you know, when am I going to put the time in to start screening it again? But yeah. when you can actually see it at full resolution on film, um, it takes what is strong about it and just magnifies it. And uh, so that's that's a great thing. But I when I came out in 2007, is like when the, I was on Netflix, but they heavily compressed a lot of films during that time. It was a different mm-hmm. Netflix. And I was very saddened by... Uh, I was happy with the DVD, but it's still only DVD quality. But... At the end of the day, like exactly, you made the point perfectly. So it, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it was able to transcend all of these things, kind of that could potentially be against the film. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, and, yeah. and and one of the things is, I mean, you you mentioned uh, when I asked you, sort of like what inspired the story, and I mean, you you already talked a little bit about the uh, spiritual undercurrent of the film. Um, what what part of I mean, how much, how much, and this, this kind of can be an overarching uh, question with regards to all three movies, because, I mean, it is a very overarching element of all three movies. Uh, what part does faith, you know, personal faith play in terms of the way you uh, create these films and the way you uh, conceive of these films? I feel like with the feature films, more than the shorts, uh, I feel like um, there's a, a deep spiritual purpose and lesson and it's also going to be some a major uh, event in my life for the next, I don't know, three or four years. Mm-hmm. So spiritually, they're very uh, like, re, like refining. I feel like I go through the fire. I'm who I was when I was thankful enough to be given the gift of this idea or this vision and then a lot of fear comes in and uh, doubt how it would be made, uh, even with some of the spiritual aspects. And I feel like there'll be a lot of attack and it might, might be spiritually rough for me. And, and I basically, uh, through the grace of God, move past that and then actually begin working on it. And there's just a lot of time to think. And um, I feel like a lot of uh, that kind of condenses and transforms into uh, the film. And I start making the film, and then it's completely different. Uh, a lot of filmmakers have said from the first vision or idea, and then in the editing it changes again. And so it's just very emotionally uh, hard, but spiritually it's very difficult, but ultimately uh, it's whole it's completely freeing mm-hmm. and you're just reborn in a new place. And there's a lot of spiritual maturity that comes after the test, the spiritual test. And then 
just gives you ultimately peace, not pride, but just like, I mean, it's true that I'm still alive. And now whatever this is, is going to go into the world. And, um, because I felt like this is really, uh, a God inspired project, despite mm-hmm. all my falls along the way that it's kind of not mine. It's God's going to do something through it now. Mm-hmm. So I, then I can be like, okay, I can detach and just be burned out. Cause uh, after I finish these things, cause they're largely, um, so concentrated, take on so many roles and try to treat it as like a, a huge artwork that uh, I just very depressed and drained for a while uh, after the kind of childbirthing process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I remember uh, this is, I made Apocalypsis coming after uh, my son coming into the world and I became a dad. And then I was feeling a little strange because, you know, I'm making this film about uh, in the end of the world, but coming from the perspective of uh, there's hope after, and there's like uh, in the book of uh, Revelation, the very end, the universe is destroyed by every single atom or nuclear molecule that exists, and it's remade, and there's a new earth. Mm-hmm. And people come down and populate the earth and live in heaven. So I was trying to bring something positive, but you know, and I going through that time, it didn't quite sync up. I wanted, I wanted to get into the world of my son, so it made me concerned, too, with uh, the detrimental uh, effects of humans on the planet. Seeing my son come into this, it created a lot of anxiety, too. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of emotions going on for apocalypses, but the good thing is people helped me edit it, including my wife, who did an excellent job, and then some people at Indican uh, at the very end. And that's what was really missing. I felt like uh, resting this control, a little bit of control away to let somebody else edit the work. And then I was like, okay, now it's not just something that really means a lot to me and I understand, but I feel like this created a whole new avenue to a larger audience to mm-hmm. see my work. And almost if they end up going from apocalypse backward to uh, imagination, that would be fine. You know, mm-hmm. if that's their entryway. Some people, like you have seen the work back then and have followed my work, and then they'll come from that perspective. Uh, but I'm just thankful for Apocalypse spiritually because for the first time after um, I felt like with Glitch, I was being a little preachy there, and that's not ever my intention that I wanted to do right. in my work. I felt like also with that film, although I, I really like it in a lot of ways, it wasn't conceived in the same way as imagination, where I basically went through somewhat traditional uh, production process, which is kind of a project fell through and we just jumped into a documentary style. Yeah. For Apocalypse, I went through a long pre-production, a long shooting mm-hmm. time, and then even longer uh, editing. A little bit uh, was suffered on the animation side, which is what I'm most known for, but that's because I think so criticized for my live action storytelling and pacing. And I feel like you're right. I don't give it much attention to the animation. What would happen before I go completely into animation cause, and just try to make a strongly edited, well acted as for what I can, a well written film? So I felt like great strides were had because I had a team and I just gave it the time it needed to get 
fairly yeah. well cooked. Yeah, so get to a good space and not do a premature release like I kind of did with Switch. I didn't give myself the time to um, think about it and maybe come back to the edit. I kind of, at that time, was rushing to get it out because the economy was crashing. I, there's a lot of anxiety in, in my life and all mm-hmm. of our lives. And uh, so we were kind of in that mind state. But it's okay. You learn, I learned from it, so... <laughs> Well, and and I think that's that's one of the things that stood out with for me with uh, Glitch in the Grid is that it really is ultimately about the uh, spiritual struggle of living in difficult times. Exactly. And it it yeah. doesn't matter what those difficult times are. I mean, it can be it can be global difficult times. It could be personal difficult times. But I mean, there's still a spiritual struggle. And I I do think the storytelling. The the storytelling does get more sure-footed and glitch in the grid, and that and one of the things that's uh, interesting about um, your work is the way that you bring animation into the storytelling uh, realm with the live action, and it for me it feels it 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 feels more of a piece with glitch in the grid, and certainly with Apocalypsis. I mean. Imagination, it still works extremely well, but I mean, you know, it's it's not quite the the years in between uh, imagination and glitch in the grid. And then again, with glitch in the grid to apocalypsis, I mean, your your storytelling is getting more and more confident, more and more sure of yourself, and being able to bring those elements together is uh, something that's really exciting for me. Uh, thank you so much. Definitely all passion projects that I just stuck to um, over time. It sweated a lot of blood and didn't know what would happen to any of them after they were made. But yeah, um, I just feel like I'm finally right now at this point in pre-production on like a pretty intensive pre-production on Twilight Park, which is um, going to be an all-animated series that I've been kind of like David Lynch with the Twin Peaks The Return. I'm going to pull everything off uh, my page uh, before like the final two or final three episodes and then release it as a feature. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's just nice to get over the burnout period of Apocalypse because it was was a pretty bad one. (laughs) I was dealing uh, spiritually with that one with themes of good and evil, the ultimate uh, like final battle and like Christ transferring over Lucifer. It was really intense as I mentioned before uh, working on those themes when I just had a son who was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> it, every, every feature, because there's so much time in between is I'm in a different stage of my life and there's unique challenges to them. Uh, so it now that I'm resting on this and going into a singular but series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a nice and natural extension to be like the trilogy of features and then about, I don't know what it'll be, 15 episodes or, or whatnot um, mm-hmm. of this animated uh, film that uh, I developed at Nickelodeon uh, like a 2002 to 2005, basically when I was at CalArts. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then when the pilot didn't go through, I tried Frederator, and then I tried to go to pitch it to Cartoon Network, and then I went to Three Mill Studios, which uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox 
was uh, in production. I pitched it to the producer there mm-hmm. who worked on Iron for Christmas, and they were like, you really need to get some real money for this because these are great character designs. It's a great story. And they hooked me up with McKinnison and Saunders who made all the puppets for uh, the Corpse Bride, all the Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, way back to um, uh, Mr. Toad's Adventures, the stop-motion series, uh, Wind in the Willows. Okay. Um, I think that was their first project. So I'm in back in the animation world uh, for quite a while. And so it's exciting because people have been encouraging me and saying, like, hey, like, just go all into animation, let go of live, live action. And I was like, no, no, I, I, I want to work on it more. It's, it's not coming to me. It's coming to me in a different way. And it, it, I respect it. It takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, after this series, I definitely am going to go back to live action, uh, stop motion animation hybrids and keep working with better actors. But I'm trying to work with good actors in the voice acting for uh, the series. So okay. yeah, I'm feeling really, really good at this point about the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, Apocalypsis is really a, uh, you know, it, it's really a fascinating, uh, finale to the, to to this trilogy and I I love that I love that the story just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You start out with a very personal story and imagination and then right. you're still in the sense of this personal story selling with Glitch in the Grid but it also brings in more of a uh, worldly perspective and then you're and then with Apocalypse it's basically a it, it's basically a film within about a larger world, and you you really see a a developed uh, world worldview on uh, on display in that film, and um, you know, it, and it goes for it goes also with the fact that it's like it's imagination feels more like a tone poem. Um, Glitch in the grid feels like this. It it's trying to be a straightforward narrative, but it's also more. It's still in the realm of a tone poem of, right. and you know, and then you basically have a very straightforward narrative. And I mean, it definitely, you you can definitely see that you know the the work that you're talking about putting into Apocalypsis and to to make it work really does come through, and it's it's such it, it's such a. It's a fascinating series to watch. Um, I I would definitely, you know, I definitely encourage anybody who comes out, whether it's through imagine, whether it's chronologically with imagination glitch in the grid, apocalypsis, or you know, in reverse order, like you're talking about, to right. definitely you know sort of take it in and really just let it let it wash over you because it is such a fascinating. I love the hybrid of live action stop motion. It's it's such a yeah. great <laughs> way of it's such a great way of telling that story and it's such a unique way of telling that story. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um there's some good points there. I feel like uh they're all singular films but they're interconnected as the Trinity is interconnected. Um the the Trinity is not I mean I Christ and the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father, but they're all three and one co-equal as far as the Orthodox Christian, what I believe. Um, and so that's really important, but also it means that because it's three and one co-equal, 
and uh, imaginations about Christ, and Butch and the Grid is about the Holy Spirit, and then Apocalypse is about the Father. I feel like you could watch them out of order, and it'll still work, and it'd be interesting to see them out of order. But mm-hmm. for me, for me, I'm more inclined to watch it from oh, from imagination uh, chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I had in mind as far as if you've seen the arc or the, or the, the themes. Like, but I, yeah, I, I feel like it is open-ended as well. So yeah. if people discover one, then they might find the other. But I'm so glad you wanted to talk about the trilogy because I didn't really push that in any of in too far at all. I was pretty subtle about that aspect because mm-hmm. also with, with the trilogy, someone watching like, well, I'm not going to watch the third one. It's not like a Hollywood trilogy. No, you not know? in the least. No. So, so I feel like, <laughs> you know, uh, so that was nice. But um, yeah, it was just it's a big relief. Uh, if I ever meet filmmakers who've done like a trilogy in whatever aspect, I'll definitely have a certain camaraderie. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Um, but now I'm going to try series, which will be a new thing as well. But I've worked primarily, I've done about 50 short films and mm-hmm. then a lot of commercial projects. So short film and series, short episodes, even though it's stop motion, uh, I don't know how long it would be. A 15-minute, 18-minute episode could take you know a good year and a half or yeah. so. But, um, and, yeah, I'm working on how I'm going to do that. But, uh, yeah, I'm trailing off here. <laughs> Well, and it's fascinating that, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is, is fascinating how much uh, faith and religion plays plays a key part in the uh, trilogy that you put together. And that's that's something that I actually had an interesting discussion with a uh, friend of mine from uh, high school about recently about this, this sort of this subset of... Uh, faith-based and religiously themed films and sort of like why why those don't necessarily work as well as they do or as well as you know they they probably could and I feel like with those I feel like with those they sort of put the message ahead of the story of ahead of the filmmaking and I think it's kind of the right. wrong way to do it and you're you're and you're Tarkovsky mixing said that yeah, I'm oh, sorry to kind of I'll forget. Tarkovsky said, "Don't don't push your message. Show them life, you yeah. know, and let them." So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and the fact, but and the fact that you're, you know, you're you're influenced by Tarkovsky, it makes all the sense in the world the way your films have turned out the way they've turned out because of the fact that there is that feeling of I'm not necessarily going to push. I, I'm not necessarily here to push my specific faith, my specific beliefs onto you. It's like I, I want to share it, and I'm sharing it in a way that's different from the way somebody else is going to. Right. And and there, the spiritual dimension in Tarkovsky is very much I, – I do feel like it's it's – you know, alive in this trilogy. And that's one of the things that I think, I, I don't know that it resonated with me so much with uh, uh, Imagination at first, even though I was still a huge Tarkovsky fan at the time, but I think once Glitch in the Grid happened, I'd started to rewatch a lot of Tarkovsky's 
films for the first time in a few years, and I did notice that, and it's it makes it even. And I think I did mention Tarkovsky in my review of Glitch in the Grid, which makes yeah, it even more yeah. surprising that I completely ignored the fact that you had had them reading sculpting in time, uh, because right. it's like I'd read that by that point, and it's like yeah, I don't know how I missed that, but uh, no, I I love I love the way you uh, I I I love the way you deal with issues of uh, morality and issues of faith and the fact that that there there are different ways and especially is especially true in apocalypsis with uh, the two main characters um, who who ultimately are trying to do the same thing in their own different ways and that's one of the things I really like about that movie and it is very much the the most it, it is the the best film in the three. And it's because right. of the fact that it's like that ultimate uh, emotional connection that you're trying to make with the uh, audience is there, and it's uh, it's right. it's just really fascinating to uh, watch that unfold. Oh, thank you. I, I agree. I feel like pushing uh, the grid's coming from the heart mm-hmm. the most. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I think I think all of them are. I definitely think all yeah. of them are. Uh that I mean that that goes, you know, that that that's very clear. That was very clear to me when I first watched them and it's very clear to me rewatching them for for the sake of this conversation. And right. uh I it's it's just such a it it really is, if you're if you're somebody who's interested in Movies that take you off the beaten path of what um, cinema can do and the ways cinema can uh, touch on spiritual and uh, religious mm-hmm. ideas. I mean, this this is a trilogy I definitely uh, would definitely recommend for people to watch of Imagination, Glitch, and the Grin, uh, Apocalypsis. Thank you. I, I'm planning some uh, trilogy screenings um, as a way to just keep following through. Once the film is out, it goes through various stages. So at this point, I'm coming around to that mm-hmm. as well, more screenings of uh, Apocalypsis. But I do know that most people will watch it yeah. um, online. And then as I do future things, God willing, then people get really interested in the older work again. So it's a never ending uh, process mm-hmm. in some ways, but it's good. And we've, it's you know, work. I, I normally, I normally at this point ask what you've got going on next, but I mean, we've already talked about you are doing, right. you are working <laughs> on an animation, uh, an animated web series. Uh, and yeah, I'm, that's a, yeah, I've just, I've been working on this for 14 years mm-hmm. and, uh, now I've remade it. I'm a different person than I was then, um, but I feel like I have a stronger grasp of a lot of these storytelling mm-hmm. uh, insights in combination with all types of new uh, techniques. One kind of tenet that I have for Twilight Park is that I'm going to try to have, in a similar way to imagination, <clears throat> incredible variety of different animation techniques. Mm-hmm. as well as new ones that I'm going to be experimenting to develop within it. But it's it's not so much uh, in the feature films any longer about going into these segments, mm-hmm. but it's 
more closer to Glitch in the Gear where it's infused because the whole thing is animated. There is a narrative there, but also the whole aspect of the story is that they're inside um, of the brain of uh, um, Grandpa Jules. So I'm dealing with aspects of uh, dementia, um, time travel, memory, um, like intergenerational bond between a grandson and his son, and just a lot of um, aesthetic themes that have been, I feel like the project has been in some level completed uh, in itself, but now it's actually given the chance to be made, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's, it's great. It's, going, it's coming fast, and um, we're hoping for uh, little snippets coming out, because nowadays you can show the whole whatever you want in terms of the process from when I started out. Yeah. You know, like you're waiting for waiting for the teaser trailer. <laughs> now you can be like, here's a little glimpse of the production today. So I'm hoping to build um, an audience um, as it's going along until I get up to the first, first trailer, you know? And uh, so I'll be working with my brother again on that. And he'll be scoring it. And um, it's just uh, something that, will require a lot of time, but uh, I've been writing it uh, with my wife, Maud Swift, and I have the previous script, and then I have the new script, and the most exciting aspect right now is all the pre-production, all the drawings, and creating mm-hmm. the world, and I feel like with this one, I know you said they kept getting, the world keeps getting bigger and bigger, but now this one is not no longer tied to this world. It's, it's entirely its own world in itself, and it's completely animated. So it's just been one of my lifelong goals uh, ever since I wanted to make films to someday make one like Vladislav Starovich or like uh, Yuri Trinko. And I started watching his features and then watching Schmankmeyer's, watching like Fantastic Planet, and then a lot of these really interesting, unique animated features Mm -hmm. um, in order to just not just get a little snippet of the world in a short for like, you know, three to 10 minutes or a little longer, but to really watch something that will be like 90 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. And when it's completely done, but also so don't just disappear off the map for, you know, five years, (laughs) releasing as a series and getting like fans like, and it's all different series because it it doesn't just all drop on you at once. It's just something Mm -hmm. that's going to come out. And then someday, it'll just be a complete thing. And that I can go up that mountain. It'll be a real miracle. So I <laughs> appreciate good, uh, prayers and the uh, intentions for that. Yeah. Project. I'm, Thank I'm, you. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, uh, interested to, uh, watch that as it, as it goes on and as it progresses. I mean, I know I deal primarily with movies here, but I mean, definitely with something like that. And especially from a, uh, filmmaker that I've, come to know through their work over the years. It's like any project uh, that they're working on, I'm always kind of interested in that. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to be curious to uh, follow that and uh, see see how that progresses. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for the uh, time, Eric. Yeah, I'm really glad we were able to have this discussion. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. I'd like to thank Eric for his uh, joining me on the podcast and 
he's going to be joining me for what I've got going on in the podcast next year with my uh, Class of 99 retrospective. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to be discussing the Iron Giant in there. And uh, that's it for now. Um, thank you for joining me at the Sonic Cinema Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. I've got some more uh, bonuses on the way that I think people will enjoy. And thank you for listening, continuing to listen to the Sonic Cinema podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.